It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. Fun show lined up today. In just a moment, we had a conversation with uh, with former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell. He's doing some radio stuff now, obviously involved with the Auburn Sports Network and their broadcast of Auburn football. He also has a podcast going on that he talks about at the end, the... Um, Believe in Auburn podcast, so be sure to check that out. And uh, yeah, in just a moment, Painter Sharpless and I chatting with former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. And we are joined on the show today by a former Auburn quarterback, Jason Campbell. How you doing today, man? It's good to hear from you. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. It's October, but it still feels like July. So. I know. I know it's so hot. So yeah, and you know, you, you mentioned it's October, and Auburn doesn't have a home game this month. I mean, how bizarre is that? Right. Yeah, it's real bizarre. That means uh, I don't have to be working four weekends in a row, I guess, in, in the month of October because I only do home games for Auburn. Uh, but at the same time, that is kind of weird. Though I don't know how that happened, how that came about. You know, be gone from your own stadium for a whole month. It's uh, I don't think Gus likes that too much. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't imagine that he does. It, you, you mentioned uh, you working the home games as part of the the radio broadcast. How have you enjoyed that role so far? You, you sound great. It seems like you're in your element. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Uh, it's something I always wanted to do um, when I finished playing football. Like I know when I played ball up in Washington and Oakland, I used to do a lot of TV, a lot of radio things, and uh, mm-hmm. and you know you talk about the game of football, you talk about that's something that's within your element. And uh, it's something that I can, uh, you know, I played it. And so when I talk about it, it's kind of like you're just talking about things that you know and experiences that you that you endure when you play ball. Sure, sure. And so, I mean, obviously you know a lot about playing quarterback and specifically playing quarterback at Auburn. You did it at a high level for, uh, for several years in a row there. But a lot of talk about Bo Nix. I mean, he's a guy that, that has Auburn fans fired up. Auburn fans are excited about what he could eventually turn into and also what he's doing on the field now. When you watch this kid play, I mean, what are your, what are your initial thoughts of, okay, he's, he's a true freshman getting, getting these things done? Well, when I watch, when I watch Bo uh, from game one to, to the Mississippi State game, the one thing I've really you know, have you know, given him props about is his way of learning and taking and adapting. What I mean by that is he's not turning the football over. Uh, you know, in the first first half of the Oregon game, you can kind of tell where he came from 
came from high school where he can make every play. And uh, I think that first half against Oregon, he realized, like, man, I have a really good defense. You know, I have some guys around me that can make some plays. I don't have to make every play on my own. And uh, let me just, you know, do my job and do and keep us in, in great down and distance and uh, not, put our, not put our defense in harm's way by turning the football over and giving the other team a short field. So from that second half of that game, he, he's improved a lot. He can tell that he's not forcing a lot of things. So he's been learning as he continues to grow. And, uh, you know, for a true freshman, you know, even though I know he's 19, but still as a true freshman, you know, I feel like he's, uh, you know, he's really taking it game by game. And he's uh, he's really learning Gus's system, and you can tell he fits in Gus' system. You know, Gus' system. I always tell people it only works if you have a quarterback that can run and throw. And you look at Cam, you look at Nick Marshall. Those was the two quarterbacks within his system where Auburn had a really good season. And because they put so much pressure on defenses with them with their running ability. Hey, Jason, Painter here. I've always admired the way you carried yourself at Auburn, and then certainly as an NFL player. And uh, I just wanted to know. Is this team meeting or exceeding your expectations heading into 2019? I thought with the talent that we had coming back on defense, I always said, you know, defense is, you know, what wins championships. You know, your offense can keep up, you know, and you can always have an opportunity come November. And coming to the season, you look at Marlon Davidson and Derrick Brown and Truesdale and, you know, Big Cat Brian, those guys up front, you know, the pressure that they can put on quarterbacks and then the the opportunity that they have to shut down other teams' run game, it makes a lot of people one-dimensional. And and our secondary has come along uh, over the last couple of weeks. You know, the first couple, first couple of games, you can tell they were still trying to search themselves. I think over the last couple of weeks, they've uh, they really banded together and they've got better defending the deep ball and uh, short ball on the ball. It's kind of got us with the intermediate passing game. But that kind of happens on third down because, you know, you don't get a lot of man coverage and, and everything. So, but for overall, I feel like, you know, defensively, you know, we would be in a position, you know, heading to this week. I didn't know if we would be ranked where we would be ranked at because you didn't know, you know, how quick our quarterbacks was going to adapt to Gus's system. Like, I figured that they would probably be, like, Stidham had a really good arm, but Stidham, Stidham wasn't a running quarterback for Gus's system. And uh, I feel like that element that Bo Nix and uh, Gatewood had coming into the season with their opportunity to run the ball, that they would propel the offense to be a little bit more successful. And then plus Gus was going to be calling his own plays. And uh, a lot of head coaches, when they're offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and once they get the head coaching jobs, a lot of them pass on that duty to someone else. And I've always been a fan of a stick to what got you the job. And what got him the job was being the offensive coordinator and calling plays. And I think now he's back into his element. And when you when you do that, you have a better feel for your players. You know, yes, you can be the head coach, but if you call it plays. Now you got to realize what fits each person and each player at a at a at a level that makes them successful. And so I think he's back in a better element than than standing and watching someone else call plays. It's well documented that quarterbacks, especially at the NFL, are hyper competitive. If I gave you a ball and pads right now, would you be able to score a touchdown against this defense? Say it again. If if I gave you a ball and pads right now and put you out on the field against this defense, could you lead a drive and uh, get a, get a touchdown? Because I think this is a pretty good defense. Yeah, it's a really good defense. I just throw all go ball. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, when, uh, yeah, when you look at these receivers, uh, Jason, when you look at the, the the talented receivers that that Bo Nix is throwing to, I mean, 
Who do you kind of look at and say, oh, man, I wish I would have had him as a weapon a, a few years ago? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I can't complain with the guys I had. All the guys I had <laughs> Good point. You know, also, they was all tall guys, so I wouldn't change it for nothing. Uh, I think Steph Williams is another guy that kind of reminds me of, you know, of the guys I kind of played with, those big, tall bodies. And, uh, you know, he's a big body. He can go up and high point the ball. Um, when you look at Swartz, ever since Swartz has been back, defenses have has had a lot more problems. And the reason I say that is because the guy's so fast, he gets on the edge, as you saw against Texas A&M, you know, it can be history, you know, the touchdown. So even when he goes in motion, even if he doesn't get the ball, they have to account for that because they don't know. And then I think that opens up, you know, Booby Whitlow and opens up both uh, the quarterback keepers when they're reading the defense at the end. So it makes the linebacker eyes have to go away for even if it's just a second, you know, you can be a second too late and you know, that can be a touchdown. So I feel like, you know, Swartz being there and then Hastings, you know, having him back and Eli Stowe back those guys been hurt last year. I think those guys being back tremendously helped. Our receiver depth is like is, you know, it's big time. And uh, we have uh you know, even Sam Camilla, you know, he goes out and makes some catches and he's another big call target. You see both Enjoy throwing those balls, you know, half one to, to Canella and to Steph Weasel, let those guys will make catches. So I feel like our depth at receiver with those guys getting back healthy, you know, at the right time, heading the Florida game, I think it's big. I think with Boogie not having to carry so many balls over the last two weeks is huge because now you're getting into the gauntlet part of your schedule. And this is when you're going to need, you know, Boogie to have those 20 plus carries. And this is when you're going to need all our receivers to be healthy because you're going to start facing pretty good defenses here. You had a bunch of different coordinators in college and in the NFL. What do you think it's like as a player to go through a transition like they did from Chip Lindsey to Gus? And that one's kind of different also because Gus already had his hands on the offense. Right. Yeah, it's a little different for that one because I know when I was going for mine, it was like a totally new offense. Um, I mean, we tried to do things the same way my junior year with what Petrino did, but Petrino was only with us for seven months. Mm-hmm. And when he was there, you know, yes, the coaches can say, yes, I sat in the room with him. I know his system. I know that's impossible. You know, this guy's been doing this for 15, 20 years. You know? So he has a rhyme and reason that he did the things that he did to set up plays later in the game. So when you're an offensive coordinator, you have to be within your own thought process. Like you say, you can't have too many heads together. And I feel like my junior year, we had too many people trying to, trying to call games. You know, one guy calling third down plays, one guy calling you know, first down runs. Then there's, you know, so there's just too many people. You can't have too many irons and fire like that. And um, I think once the season got going, we started off slow, but then we started to gel a little more because, you know, some of the coaches started to say, hey, you know, we got too many people doing too much. We need to just scale it back. And that's when we kind of started to get better. And I feel like at the end of the year, tell me, it was like, hey, I like all my coaches, and which we all did. I love that coach. I feel like he just said, I want to get one guy, keep all my other coaches. And I thought that was big for us having so much success. I've seen here is that every coach stayed on staff. We just added Coach Al Borges. And Al Borges became the one the one voice and the one guy that knew how to utilize everybody's ability. You know, and we wasn't one dimensional, he was two dimensional. He utilized all our big receivers. He utilized run game, you utilize every part that he could get to, and that was only one year. I just wish I'd have had it for three years, and we probably reset a lot of the books. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, but you know, that's just something that happens. But it taught me a lot about life because you go through so many highs and lows. They're all different. 
but it's always about how you respond. And I think uh, me going through that prepared me for the NFL because I had a lot of different coaches there as well. Jason, you, you've obviously were a big part in leading a team to go undefeated. That's the goal here for this Auburn team. They would love to go undefeated. Obviously, they've got to play more games now with the, the college football playoff being in place. But at what point in the season did you guys realize, okay, okay, we've got a chance of of running the table, and does this team kind of have that feel to you? I think for us, uh, that big game against LSU at home was mm-hmm. huge um, because they was coming off the defending national championship. Um, they had a lot of their guys back on defense. Other guys coming back on offense, and uh, you know that was saving. I think what third year there, and because uh, yes, we had been one in. Oh, we was two and two against him when he was at LSU, and um, I can remember that game being huge. But we didn't really get the opportunity to practice that week on the outside because of Hurricane Ivan. So we was most of our practice was in a, in, a, in a hotel in Auburn and doing walkthroughs. But when we won that game, I think that's when everybody kind of looked around and said, you know. All right, we got a real opportunity here, and because uh, LSU maybe like rank two or three at the time, and um, and then we went to Tennessee and we won the game on the road in Tennessee. You always need that one big road game in a hostile environment where everyone is kind of counting you out. It was a top ten matchup at that time, uh, similar to what Auburn's going into this week, and uh, we went up there and we routed them pretty good. In the first half, the game's pretty much over, and after that, guys really bought it to each other. That's when we knew like, we could go win it all if we just stick together. So you kind of mentioned this already, and I'm not sure Auburn this season has had this moment yet, but there was a 4th and 12 pass you completed to Courtney Taylor against LSU, and then a 3rd and 12 touchdown pass you completed to Courtney Taylor again. Will you walk through what that felt like, and was that a defining moment for the season? Yeah, it was. Uh, every season, I always had to define a moment. And that season, uh, if you look at any championship team, um, you know, like if you go back to 2010 with Cam and, you know, the Mississippi State game, the way they won that game, uh, you know, was, uh, was kind of defining a moment. Even in 2013, you know, the two games in a row, you know, the Georgia game, the you know, the ball bouncing up and we catching it. And then the Alabama game, uh, you know, where it you know, same thing. We catch you take a kick return, 110 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you look at us, and back in 2004, you coming up this fourth and twelve, and uh, and we knew Saban was going to bring the blitz, and so our, our boarders called the rollout pass to get us kind of get me away from it a little bit, and it um, put Courtney on a comeback, and uh, so Courtney got open. I can only see him when he was playing. I can see the back of his jersey, but I knew from a timing standpoint where we had to put the ball in where. He, or his body would probably end up at. So I kind of let the ball go early before he came out of it. And I remember getting hit and just hearing the crowd go crazy. And I got up and saw that he had caught the ball. And then we came third and 12. And then we're on the side. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, how can we spread them out to create some type of space? Uh, you know, they're really good defense inside the red zone. So we're not spreading them out. We're not running two double stick knives. And we don't get uh, the read was to Ben or to Courtney based off how the safety played. And the safety took Ben. And we was able to hit Courtney in the back in the end zone. I just remember the place going going crazy. And for us, that was a defining moment that, that set the rest of the season up. Has Auburn had a moment like that? I don't think they have yet. I think they've played some good games. No, they haven't had a moment like that yet. They played some good games. Like, they know, the Oregon game, um, you know, if you want to say a defining moment for that game, as far as, I think, growing up a little bit, I would say 
for bowls that fourth down mm-hmm. run. You know, he had to scramble and he reached and he knew exactly how many yards he needed to get. And, you know, he took a good hit for it. And he was able to get us the first down, then the third down throw to Steph Williams on the sideline. And then, uh, you know, for Gustin to make that call to, to go for it, you know, instead of setting for the field goal, I thought was the right call at the time because you know you're going to get one-on-one coverage because they're going to set up to stop the run. And with a big guy like Steph Williams, why not give me the opportunity? And, uh, you know, Bo threw it up to him, gave him opportunity to come down with it. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a defining moment for us, like propelling us to the next level of maturity because we didn't have all our guys yet. But I feel like, you know, going to the road, being at Texas A&M, uh, you know, that's a good defeat. Anytime you go on the road and win in this league is good. But I feel like our biggest test is going to come, you know, let's go to Florida. You know, I can't, how can we do in Florida? And then we worry about, you know, the rest of them as they come, you know, LSU, Georgia, Bama. But how we do on the road, I think, uh, in our next two big top ten games will be huge. But I think if you can have a defining moment within those two games, then it sets you up in November. You want October to set you up for a run or an opportunity in November. So far, I've liked the way this team is carrying themselves. They seem confident. They seem to celebrate together and enjoy playing with one another. Can you explain locker room chemistry? I mean, football is a sport of alphas. How do you win the respect of your teammates? <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, anytime you win game, you know, I think a lot of that is you have to still continue to stick together, you know, and, and understand that uh, no one, you know, winning this thing on their own. And uh, I feel like winning is contagious. You know, the more you win, the more you fight for each other. And, uh, and I just think the way they won the Oregon game, like had you lost the Oregon game, who knows what would have happened. You know, the fact that we went and we won the Oregon game. And uh, I think it built a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence because how we had to come back to win that game. You know, we was down and, uh, and we came back to win that one. So I think that showed a lot of heart, a lot of fight. But I think there, on this team, I, I see good chemistry. I don't see any guy that's saying, look at me, look at me. If you look at our defenses, front like those guys feed off each other mm-hmm. you know it's like you know the, the lions den. you know those guys you know everybody's trying to get a, a piece of meat at the same time and uh and that's exciting to watch and it's exciting to see the team grow um i think gus has done a good job of, of this year i think he's done a really good job of being more assertive to him you saw his pissed at him game he was lighting to one of the receivers during a timeout and uh you know, I think that passion, you know, and then everyone already knows that Coach Steele's passion is already, you know, through the roof, you know, the way those guys play. So I think the offense is kind of taking the same identity a little bit now where they're playing a little bit more more physical, a little bit more gripey and, uh, and everything. And I think they're setting the edge now. And for us to continue to do that moving forward, it's huge that we go into the Florida game thinking the same way we've been thinking over the last couple of weeks. You know, go out here and play hard and play with an edge. And uh, no matter what territory we're in, we're all we got. And I think if they can keep that mindset, they can go in there and be very successful on Saturday. Jason, thanks for letting me ask you some kind of personal questions. I'm curious to know, I know Coach Tuberville was recruiting you, I believe, when he was at Ole Miss. And then while you were at Auburn, he, he you know ultimately got you to come there. What drew you to Auburn, though? And it seems like you've decided to return. Is that the same reason you came or – what where yeah, was same your... reason I came back. Yeah, same reason I came back to Auburn. Same reason I went to Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went there because it was a family atmosphere. I remember taking my visa to LSU in Georgia. 
you know, I had a lot more on the schedule to, to take. But once I came to Auburn, I remember going to the Auburn game. Uh, they was playing Georgia, 99 in Georgia. And I was on my recruit visit to Georgia. And uh, I was standing in the midfield at the time, and Auburn was really high recruiting at the same time. And I remember, you know, Tug walking over saying hello, and even though I was on my Georgia visit. And then, so Quincy Carter was supposed to be my host. So after the game was over with, you know, Auburn beat Georgia pretty bad, so I didn't see Quincy. I don't even know where he went. <laughs> and at the time, Coach Jim Dunn came up. He said, hey, where's, where's Quincy? I said, Coach, I have no idea. And uh, he went looking for him and everything. And so I ended up having to be with somebody else. And I said, well, all right. So then uh, the next week I went to <laughs> The next week I came to Auburn and Auburn playing Alabama. And I just remember um, it was a tough game all the way down to the end. And Alabama pulled it out at the end. I can remember all the fans in the stands were just crying and teary-eyed, and I was just like, "Man, they take this really serious." <laughs> this kind of reminds this kind of reminds me of like where I come from, like Taylorsville High School, where I played at on Friday night. The gym, uh, the you can rob any store in town, because everybody's gonna be at the game. <laughs> and we were so used to winning and winning championships. If you lost the game, you felt like the world was caving in. And that night, I felt like, man, this is the same kind of kind of feel that I get back at home, like. They really, really care about, you know, the sport. They really care about, you know, the, the meaning behind their school. And I just remember the whole family atmosphere. And and, and that's what my parents loved. And, uh, and and that just kind of drew me to Auburn. I told my parents that I know exactly where I want to go and play. Uh, this just feels like home. And uh, so I made the commitment to come to Auburn. And then that's the same reason I come back, because they've uh, opened some doors and given us the opportunity to run it myself to – be a part of their program and be around some of their young guys and, uh, and watch them come in and grow. Jason, you got a score prediction for Saturday? Ah, uh, man, I I'd probably say Auburn can pull this one out on the road. Uh, I'll go 27-21. Okay. All right. Fantastic. I think a lot of Auburn fans would be really happy if they were able to, to pull that off. If you're willing uh, to share okay. you, Cadillac, Ronnie, all back. What's Carlos up to? Carlos is playing, uh, I guess he's trying to play golf or something. I don't know what Carlos is doing, <laughs> but he lives not too far from me here in Atlanta. Uh, I've been trying to get him to come back, and uh, actually he'll be on my podcast show cool. uh, next week. So I've, I've actually talked to him about that, so all the Auburn fans that want to hear him, because Carlos is very quiet. Uh, you get an opportunity to see what he talks about. I'll, I'll talk to him about what he thinks about defense, not secondary, so... Uh, next week he should be on. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about your podcast. What are some things that you're talking about? Where can people find it? What's it called? Give us all the details on it. Yes, yeah, uh, Believe in Auburn. That's B-L-E-A-V and then in Auburn. And uh, you can find us on Believe.com B-L-E-A-V.com and it's uh, Jason Campbell and Taylor Taylor Davis, Taylor Best Davis who also is a graduate of Auburn and she covers uh, Saturday games now. So uh, we do a podcast together we talk a lot about Auburn football, past, present, and future, and uh, what are some guys up to now? What are some guys doing? And usually we have a have a guest to come on here each week. Like this week, I got Ben Grubbs coming up. Everyone remember him being an offensive lineman that played at Auburn, played for the Saints, and and uh, and everything, and the Ravens. So uh, Pro Bowl guard, so yeah. got to play with us back in '04. So he'll be on uh, he'll be on later today with us, which will air later this week. Awesome. Jason, thank you so much for your time this morning, and uh, we, uh, we we really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, 
including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Good stuff from Jason Campbell. That was a fun conversation. And we'll be back to wrap up our pre-Florida game week tomorrow. Be sure to check that out and kind of give our final thoughts of the Auburn-Florida top 10 action happening in Gainesville this weekend. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.